Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can help. Check us out to book a free consultation and create a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host here, Robin Bailey, back again here with my co-host, Al McDonald. Al, we recorded last week and you told me right after, at the end of the day, you were going out for your bike ride. Did you get out before the cooler weather came in? I did. And yeah, it worked out well because the weekend wasn't great. So I managed to get out for a quick ride on Friday when the weather was nice. And it's always nice to be out in the spring when it's, you know, not too hot. And you get to uh, enjoy the nice spring days. So yeah, it was great. Well, especially on those side roads, it's a good reminder that bike enthusiasts like Al are out on the road. So just give them a little bit of room. Yes, be (laughs) kind because you never know when it might be you out there biking one day. And certainly we tend to give those people a lot of room as they're out enjoying the exercise and staying fit both physically and mentally. So good for you, Al. That's it. Well, I've said this many, many, many times and people are saying, stop saying it. But I'm going to say it anyway. One of the best side effects of this podcast is I get introduced to a ton of people and we have the first chemistry call and my first chemistry call with this person just went phenomenally well. Lori Kassman did an introduction and uh, what an introduction has been. We just hit it off right from the get go. And I couldn't wait to have you on as a guest to talk about what you're doing at your company. So joining us today, without further ado, is Mike Tan, VP of Business Development at Lyft Session. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robin, and thanks, Al. And my bike is tuned as well. And uh, for all of the you know individuals driving on the road in Montreal and the Quebec area, please be patient with us as well. <laughs> yes, not just the GTA. That applies to uh, everywhere in the world. If you see uh, bicyclists, just be careful. Well, why don't we start at the very beginning? Because cool name, I actually was telling you, I was on your website during a presentation today, and it went incredibly well. What is Lift Session? Yeah, um, first, thank you so much for having me and allowing us and me to kind of share a bit about the story. What a journey it's been. Lift is for simplicity's sake, a digital physical well-being platform. For those of you who are into fitness, think of this as Peloton, but for your organization, right? And so we started this thing several years ago, eight years ago. I was still at Orange Theory, Robin, when this was starting. And the concept was personal trainers have clients who travel all the time. Let's give them a tool so they can train their clients when they travel. And then one thing led to the next, and we realized that the true opportunity was in helping employers. Funny story, we used to think back in the day that we'd be able to sell this thing for $150 per month per employee to a company. Little did we know the true way that commercials work in the employer space, but 
It's been an incredible journey and we've been blessed with the people we've gotten to work with and meet like yourself, Robin and, and Al. So yeah, it's been wonderful. It's interesting that you referenced Peloton because that's been an interesting company to watch because I remember in the beginning, I was fascinated, first of all, that you could bring this into your house and you had all these engaging personalities. And of course, everyone I talked to had their favorite personality that they would ride with. Like Olivia Omato was mine. She was so much fun. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty pricey for that bike. But then they pivoted and they went to their digital platform. So I was able to go onto Amazon, buy a, I think it was a $220, I think it was called a Sunny Health Spin Bike, order a Wahoo Fitness cadence thing for my my pedal. And then I put my iPad and I was able to have the MacGyvered version of that experience for significantly, you know, less amount of money. And then of course they got into treadmill. So I've just been fascinated with what a great job they've done. And I've been a, a customer of theirs for quite some time. And I, I'm probably at the point where I won't go on a run, whether it's on my treadmill or outside without someone in my ear, you know, giving me those cues. So that's really interesting to hear. Can you maybe talk to us because on my conversation this morning with a prospective client, one of the things I was mentioning was prior to the pandemic, the conversation around benefits was, it really didn't change all that much. 15 years ago or whatever it was, we had critical illness enter the market. And that was something really exciting to talk about. But now people are having a different conversation. And of course, I'm hearing different things from clients, from carriers, from platforms like yours. I'd be curious to hear what are you hearing on the street? What's the major focus out there, whether it's from a plant sponsor perspective, from a carrier, you know, the insurers, what are you hearing? Yeah, it's such a great question because just in the last two years, I would say it has evolved so much. And so if we just think back to the start of the pandemic, I think HR professionals globally did an incredible job at just sourcing solutions to help their employees. And anyone who says that they bought too much or didn't do it, like it was really complex and hard. And so now we have all these products in the market and there's so much capital coming in and building these incredible solutions. But I think everyone is taking a bit of a pause right now. That's what we're hearing. We're saying, hey, we've got all these benefits that we have acquired over time. Our brokers and our partners have done an incredible job of supporting us with this. But now we need to sit back and say, like, have we done too much? And are people really using everything that we have purchased? And, you know, that's a guiding principle for us as to how we think about product and curate product. But the first thing that, that we're hearing a lot about is how are employees navigating all these benefits and are they using it, right? We're hearing a lot about utilization, engagement, and what is the true standard. And so that is a really big topic of discussion. And it is clearly pushing HR leaders and people leaders and the buyers out there to do the right thing, which is evaluate products with what I like to call the my own money test. Like, would I actually pay for this if I was a consumer and it was offered to me? And if it's not, then do I really want to offer this as a benefit to my employees? Is it me as an employer putting my best foot forward? Me as a health plan putting my best foot forward? And I think that that is incredible for the industry because I think that it really starts to move the needle when we think of healthcare and employee benefits and that whole wellness department that we like to talk a lot about. You talk about Peloton, for example, and, and I too, I love Olivia's classes. I do her spin and her run classes. I'm a fan. But doesn't matter what bike or treadmill I'm on, as long as I've got my coach, right? Like I'm willing to do it. And it speaks to the way that you assemble kind of your tools. If the product is good enough, the end user will leverage and do it. 
And it's really nice to see corporations globally really thinking about that employee experience. And so that's really the first thing that we're seeing. And, and the second thing I'd add, which is one that I'm incredibly excited about, is the move. And we hear a lot about, you know, GPT and all these things, but the move from carriers and, and large players of using ML and AI to diagnose or identify individuals pre-risk and then attacking those disease states, hypertension, weight loss, right? All of these core elements, diabetes, they're able to identify these people now, but now we get to do the really cool job of what products do we build to actually get these people to do the thing they need to do to get better. Those are just a few things, but the last one is one that I'm incredibly passionate about. Healthcare is an interesting space. Employee benefits is a very interesting space. And we have a lot of work to do, all of us. And, you know, we're excited to do that work. Well, one of the things, I mean, doing renewals over the years, for so many years, benefits isn't one of those things that's getting cheaper. I mean, with healthcare and new drugs on the marketplace, almost every renewal you see, every once in a while, you get to deliver that fun renewal where it's a decrease, but, you know, quite often an increase. So employers are taking a lot closer look these days at the benefits offering. And to your point, if you're spending that money as an employer, you want to make sure you're getting your biggest bang for the buck. And from the employee perspective, you don't want it to be so overwhelming that you don't know what you have covered. So you've got this challenge, you know, as an employer to say, well, how do we communicate everything that's there? And, you know, we talk about with our clients, creating that cadence of communication that's so important. But again, you want to look at that plan and say, is there value? And I like how you look at it through the lens of would I pay for this? And it's funny, we can talk about it a little bit further, because I know Al wants to talk about some stuff as well. But there's things that I look to do on a personal basis that I would love. And I've always thought, well, that'd be a cool benefit to have. So I think the good news is the people who are making the decisions are much more open to have that conversation today to find out, let's look at this and see what makes sense and see what doesn't, because at the end of the day, we want to drive value. And yeah. toward the end of your answer, you were talking about identifying those people who are at risk. And to me, that's very exciting because I've talked about it on the show before. You know, my brother suffered with obesity over the last 10 years and eventually passed away. And I often wonder, you know, when I have conversations like this, if targeted messaging or help had presented itself in an environment like over a laptop where he didn't need to go outside or at least in the beginning and it could have had that early intervention I mean, maybe it would have turned out the same way, but maybe it wouldn't have. Maybe it would have, you know, improved that quality of life so that he could take those steps to a healthy outcome. So that excites me when I hear stuff like that. You bring up such an interesting point, Robin, with your loved ones, which is one of the references I love to make is everyone listening to this, we've dealt with this, that annoying ad on social media that's at the right place at the right time that gets us to buy something, Right. I think that in the healthcare and employee benefits space, when we start thinking about product placement and end user support placement that way, we'll be truly on the right journey because I'll give you guys a stat. About 18% of individuals in North America have a gym membership, but the crazier stat is about 50% of those who do don't go. And so when you think about that, getting someone fit and active is very difficult. And I always like to say, Imagine paying for something where you have to wear tight clothes in front of people you don't know and do something you don't like and drive 10 to 15 minutes to. Who would pay for that? So we have to be really good when we think about employee well-being. And it's complicated. It's complex. It's demanding. But we're going to get there. 
these are hard problems, but luckily we're attracting incredible people to the space. Like you guys, obviously, Robin and Al. And again, we have a lot of work to do. It's going to take people who are really passionate about it, but I feel good about the future of the industry for sure. Well, it's interesting. You've hit on a number of things there. We could dive down a couple of rabbit holes about how Siri and Alexa are always listening in on our conversations. And suddenly, like you say, those ads pop up, but um, that's not what we're here. But it is interesting that you brought up the whole gym membership. And we just had last week a conversation around that and around how, you know, some of these traditional whether it be a gym membership or some of these traditional thoughts around fitness, they don't work for everyone. And like you just said, apparently 50% of the people that have a gym membership, it isn't working for them because they're not even going. So it's interesting. I did want to unpack though some of your answer previously because you talked a little bit about the end user. You talked a little bit about the criticality of the product and making sure that it fits that end user. And in your case, as I understand it, the end user and the client aren't the same person for you. So can you talk a little bit about what you're doing to match the product and to help out the end user and make sure that you're providing the product for the end user, you know, where they are at? Yeah, it's such an interesting point, Alan. And, you know, you and, and Robin deal with the same thing, right? The individual and the client, in some cases, the person does use it, but there's the whole employee base. And I've always found that to be quite particularly particularly in the SaaS and enterprise D2B business, where we conceive and build these products, and this is my personal experience, all with the goal of convincing the buyer to sign off, but not always with the goal of will the end user actually see change. And I think that that is at the cause of some of the challenges where if we have to come back and show engagement and there's less than 3% of employees who have used it, that for me is a red flag as to, are we trying to go for that? Or is there something happening in the onboarding flow, right? And so to unpack what you just shared, I really like to look at data. And I know that a lot of probably listeners here do as well, but I've always liked to think about this in, in the following way. You've got developers that have built like, you know, the back end of databases, and then you've got the companies that sell direct to consumers and they think about product in completely different ways. The infrastructure people don't care what it looks like. It just needs to work. And the product people who sell D2C, they just care about what it looks like, right? Forget the back end. It just needs to feel good. And I think that employee benefits and well-being in general, we're slowly moving closer to what does the product look and feel like. And it's exciting to see a lot of these startups also being funded. When I think about the talent that we're attracting over at Lyft and Lifespeak, we're trying to go for people who truly understand end user engagement and the user experience. And so UI UX is critical. And the buyer is starting to see that as well, right? Which is really important. And so ultimately, from my perspective, again, I keep going back to like, probably the reason why we're all into this is we're trying to do good for the world. And if we're going to make this place a healthier place where longevity of life is there, we need to make sure that what we give people is stuff they actually want to use. And we were, you know, briefly talking about this. I always like to think about the wallet test. Would I pay for this with my own money? Nine bucks a month, 12 bucks a month. And if the answer is no, we got some work to do, right? That's a pretty clear indication as to will this product have a chance to succeed, I would say. So earlier you had mentioned, you brought up the example of someone with hypertension or someone with, maybe they're struggling with weight or, or whatever the case may be. What is it that you would do? How would you direct your product to focus on someone with, again, I'll just use the example hypertension because you used it. 
what would you do? Yeah, totally. So there's a key term that we hear a lot in our industry, which is meeting the client where they're at, right? But what I find quite interesting in a lot of employee well-being products is a user comes into an environment and they must go through a specific journey, regardless of what is their realistic current state. And so I think that that is step one, at least what we have seen in the data is that is step one. And I'll give you a tangible example. We're not trying to be Peloton at Lyft. That is a class that is totally different. We're trying to help the 80% of people who don't have that gym membership who just need to get moved, right? And what we've learned, and you know, I want to give a shout out to Dave Shaka, COO and co-founder there, a lot of deep look at the data, and it was evident, and we saw that we couldn't give a workout that was longer than seven minutes to someone that considered themselves a beginner. Well, if you open any traditional fitness or well-being app, I mean, it's a 30-minute workout. So if that's not going to work, why are we serving and building them? And so we would build progressive journeys. And in most cases, what's most successful for us is the individual will get a seven or 10-minute guided mindfulness walk. And that to us is what meeting the client where they are at, because I can now just take a break. I can step away from my computer, which all of us probably don't do enough. And I can go for a walk and enjoy the sun and come back and say, hey, I accomplished the thing that I was supposed to do today, which at some point will get me to a 12 minute walk. And at some point I'm gonna feel better and my calorie burn is gonna increase and I'm gonna wanna eat better. And then at some stage I might go to the gym finally and we'll have guided someone to get there to hit diabetes, hypertension, weight loss, and all these things. But having seen the insides of how you know these world-class fitness chains operate, you know, look, if you're losing six or 7% of your client base every month, it means a lot of people are failing. And it's very difficult, again, for someone to do something for an hour, three, four times a week. And we recognize that there's a place for it. But on our end, we want to meet clients where they're at. And that's at the total start of their journey when, like, they don't want to go to the gym, for example. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an insight as to how we think about it. Mike, I love that you talked about that journey and guiding someone, especially a beginner, maybe seven minutes and then maybe 10 minutes. And then they start thinking about other things because it reminds me, and I'm not going to name the chain, but... It was a very, very expensive. I thought it was worthwhile at the time. And I still probably think it's worthwhile. I've since built a home gym, but all across Canada, these gyms. And I remember warming up on a treadmill and the personal trainer bringing in someone. It was a very long hallway. And the person clearly, just based on their body type and their age, hadn't worked out for a very long time, maybe before they had kids. And now the kids are grown up, so they're able to get back into working out. And I never forget the trainer handing them a pair of 25 pound dumbbells and have them do walking lunges down this long hall. And I remember looking at this one guy's face beat red. And I thought, you're going to give this guy a heart attack. And I thought the chances of this guy ever coming back or leaving there and be so demotivated, like, Oh, I'm too old and I'm too out of shape to work out. And I thought, you know, we lost that person. Whereas if you had started appropriately, and I saw this over and over again, it wasn't just once, and I saw it over and over again, and it left me wondering, like, how many people do you lose who just say, it's too hard for me? And if you had taken the journey that you had just talked about and gradually got people and had those small wins along the way, what that end result would look like in a one year, three year, five year, 10 year, and 20 years down the road, right? So I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm going to talk about something really selfishly right now, because you know, when I look at myself and I look at our existing benefits plan, and of course, I like to think we have a really good plan because, hey, we're the broker. And I think it's got a great offering. But then I'll go outside 
I pay monthly for FitBot because I want my workouts program for me. I use the free version of MyFitnessPal because I want to track my calories. We talked about Peloton already. So can you maybe talk about what you're seeing, maybe the future of benefits and how that can integrate so that you know you can have one platform that's going to speak to what people need? Yeah, and I'm a victim to that as well. I have my whoop on me, right? I've got all the tech yeah. that you can think of. <laughs> It never ends. It never ends. Uh, and Al, being a cyclist, you've probably got, you know, your Wahoo and your this and your Garmin. There you go. Right here. Yep. Exactly it never right. Ends. And, you know, I would say that these wearables are actually where I'm seeing that it's starting. What has been incredible to see over the last little bit is these companies like Apple, right? Like Whoop, like Garmin, like Fitbit that have exponential reach and what I am seeing on the, and this is on the technical and development side of things is companies are getting smart and they're saying, hey, we're not going to be the hardware. We're probably not going to be all of the software. But if we can link into the things that people already use on a daily basis, we have a chance of being a part of their daily habits. And I think that that is a really important guiding principle for anyone who is in the employee benefit side of things. How do you essentially craft a product and an offering that can easily live in someone's daily habits, particularly when we think of employee wellness, because it's very easy to start something and not do like we've all started a nutrition plan and we've all stopped like, you know, two days in because we wanted that glass of wine or something. And so what I really like that we're seeing here, and I think we're going to see more and more of this is these wearable devices, these Apple watches, a lot of these products that we're going to be getting from our employers are going to be synced. We're already doing it. And that had exponential increase in terms of usage. And so now it's if my Apple Watch can ping me to do my five-minute meditation for my product that my employer gave me, I'm much more likely to do it than me having to go into my portal and then going to a link and then going to the workout that I need, right? And so I think at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is that darn ad that always follows us on social media that we end up eventually buying something from employee benefits and platforms are going to start to recognize that and are going to say, how do we embed ourselves within the ecosystem of the individual of their daily life, the stuff that they're choosing to do. And if we do that, again, we're one step closer to being successful. And there's a precedence for a lot of this when you think about it, right? Starbucks opened up at every single corner because like we're going to be everywhere that you drive. And I think that we have a responsibility in the field that we're in to do the same thing and not be selfish about bringing people into our ecosystem but understanding how we can live in theirs if we truly want to be successful. I never thought a wearable would have such impact on my life, but Al picked up, you know, because he's into cycling, he had picked up the Garmin and I liked all the features and I thought, well, I won't use some of them because I'm not a cyclist and hopefully Al will never end up on the side of the road, but it's got the impact and it sends a note to, you know, his spouse or emergency contact. And I thought that's really cool, but it did all these other things. And then when I started wearing one, my wife had made a comment when I work from home, she said, even though she's home as well during the day, I never see you. And it was because I would stuck at my computer. I'd run downstairs, scarf down some food. And every once in a while now, it tells you, get up from your desk. It's time to move. And then it rewards you when you've done that. Like, hey, good for you. And how many stairs you've done. And it's amazing how when I get that, it's become very automatic. Like, oh, okay. I got to get up from my desk because I've been here for too long. And I've just found from a mental health perspective, from a physical health perspective, it's been so useful. So 
I agree with you. I think that's a very good starting point. And I would love to see that for our team and the company that we're growing, because we want to support you on that mental health side, as well as the physical health side, so that you can not only do your best with our company, but obviously outside of work as well. I'll add to that really quickly, Robin. And now there's something that I have become obsessed with, which is energy management. You know, when it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I get a bit of a dip, that doesn't work for me. And so I went on this mission of how do you solve that? because of my wearable, it would ping me and it would say, Hey, you had, you know, 30% less good sleep last night. Here are the metrics, find out why. And it would push an expert led piece of content from a neuroscience to me, Andrew Huberman. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Yes. Um, the Huberman lab. Yes, of course. Such a wonderful individual. And I started to understand the whys. And so that is incredibly exciting. When we think that we can do more with our time, we can reduce fatigue. Like this is the future of employee benefits, I truly believe. And, you know, when you think about Uber, Uber was great because it gave back time to people. I think that employee benefits are going to start doing that over the next decade. And this is incredible for just humanity. So one of the things I love about the podcast is we hear from people like yourself and they talk about things that may not have thought about. I also get different points of view. So going back to, and the idea of the whole wearable that we're talking about right now came up in our previous podcast. And for this person that we were talking to, it actually had the opposite effect. They became almost obsessive about it to the point where, you know, it was driving them to do things that maybe weren't healthy, like gone too far type thing. And ultimately they said, you know what? I had to put it away. I had to stop wearing it. So again, you're in the business. I don't know if you've come across this. I don't know if this is a consideration from your business plan and, and what you're trying to do for people and the end user, but have you had that type of feedback input from anyone? Absolutely. And I wouldn't call this an edge case because it happens more frequently than I think people may actually believe. I think it's important to go back to what we were talking about before of meeting people where they're at. Look, there's probably 15 or 20 different types. If we just think of boutique fitness centers, not everything's going to work for everyone. We sometimes have individuals who work out too much and it causes injury. That will happen. From my perspective, so long as technology is capable of incrementally helping a larger percentage of the world in the kind of a positive way, then I think that it's very helpful. But again, in those situations, an individual needs to be able to be met where they're at. And it sounds to me like this individual, you know, kind of has a good understanding of what's happening. And if it's getting them to go crazy, they need to take a break about it. I think it's the same thing in a lot of things that we do, right? Like in some cases, I love Twitter, but in some cases I need that time out because I won't stop going on and consuming information, right? And so I think it's everything with moderation, but to your point, like these things will absolutely happen. And I think that it's important for technology to get better. And at some point, maybe not be so annoying. It's like that ad that keeps popping up, right? Al, sometimes we just need to close that social media platform. So Mike, this has been a great conversation and I've gotten to understand a little more about what you do, but I want to end or we want to end with the question that we usually ask. And so if you're ready and up for it, I'm going to dive in. Is that okay? Let's do it. All right. So you've gotten a little bit of a heads up already, but the question is this, a society grows great. When old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yeah, there's one that's dear to heart. And it's something that one of the big reasons why I joined this company is health is really important, but it doesn't have to be hard. And what we do at work and what I like to do in my personal life is just help people do the little things that they can do. 
to live healthier, to be healthier. Because ultimately what we all want is to just spend more time with the people we love and do the things that we want to do. We need our help for it. So everything that I can from boards to whatnot, I'm typically involved in anything that has to do with human longevity, to use a scientific term. I'll maybe ask a follow-up question then. Have you seen any results that you've been really pleased about by doing that? Can you talk about anything that maybe you've seen already? Yeah, my close friends around me were all very busy. And, you know, you, you get to a certain age where the body doesn't respond the way it used to. And, you know, you don't metabolize food the way that you used to. And so I'm getting everyone on focusing on how should you actually be eating on a daily basis, all with the goal of energy management. And I'm proud to say that all of my friends have too much energy now and they're passing me on the bike, Al. So I should have kept that one for myself. <laughs> well, I love that. I love the passion you have for what you're doing. And, and we can talk offline for a little bit because one of the terms I just discovered in a book I'm reading is it's not so focused on lifespan, it's focused on health span. So a very interesting concept, and that's what I'm chasing. That's a great place to wrap up the conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today and sharing not only your personal journey, but what you're doing at the company as well. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Lift Session? Yeah, LinkedIn is a great place to do that. Mike Tan, it's Lift or Lifesteep. You guys will find me. And if you're on Twitter, let's connect there as well. It's Mike Tan pretty simple I'll pop up all right well that does it for today's episode i really enjoyed this conversation with mike as always i hope you did too if you have any questions for al or myself please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on linkedin and as you can see success leaves clues see you next time